And um, I want to start off this this week. Oh yeah, and the kids can go downstairs. They didn't even wait. Good job. You know that they, they just really think my messages are that bad. They 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 flew out of here pretty quickly. Uh, the best gift ever. So we're talking about this morning confirmations, confirmations. And there was a story that was published in Christianity Today about this young man, and it was one of the worst days of his life. He was a 23-year-old man named Brenton Min. But the worst day of his life paved the way for the best part of his life. You see, he was angry at God after he relapsed into an addiction to methamphetamines. And Wynn knew nothing about this church that he was about to break into. It was a Baptist church in Conway, Arkansas. But when he broke in that evening, he was high on drugs, and he went on a rampage and destroyed over $100,000 of church property. Six months later, Wynn was baptized at that same church, Central Baptist. He said, I'm, as I'm starting to understand how God works, I've realized I didn't pick the church that night. God picked me. It had been a, if it had been in any other church, I think I'd be sitting in prison right now. Wynn's journey from a jail cell in February to a baptismal pool in September began when the Central Baptist senior pastor, Don Chandler, talked to the prosecutor. Chandler knew that the God that that the godly response to win that he needed to give would be to offer forgiveness rather than judgment. And Chandler said, you can't preach grace for 50 years without practicing it, especially in front of your whole church. This was a young man who had made some mistakes. He was influenced by drugs and alcohol when he did what he did, but he was redeemable. Chandler told the prosecutor that the church would like to see Wynn get help for, with Renewal Ranch, a faith-based residential recovery ministry. The judge, who at the time had been given, who had been a board member of this renewal ranch, gave Wynn the option. You can either spend 20 years in prison, or you can voluntarily choose to go to the renewal ranch. Guess which one he chose? The renewal ranch. Wynn accepted Christ as, as a savior at one of the Bible studies at this renewal ranch, and the ranch residents attended church at this Central Baptist on Wednesday evenings. So suddenly Wynn chose that he was going to be baptized on one of those Wednesday nights. Wynn said, I gave my heart to Christ. I used to think it was coincidence that I chose to break into that church, but now I call it confirmation that God is real and he answers prayers. I needed a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we think about confirmation. What's confirmation? And that's a word I've been thinking about a lot this week. Confirmation is a verification or final proof of something. A verification or final proof of something. I've been thinking a lot about this confirmation. How do we know that God is real? We know that part of it comes from the way that God has changed so many lives. Maybe part of it comes from the people of God actually being the people of God and living out their faith in such a way that people see that there's something different in their lives. And we see this pastor 
had a pretty radical action against this young man that destroyed $100,000 of church property. He went to the court and he spoke on his behalf. And this became a confirmation to this young man that God was, in fact, real. Many of our life stories, if we went around this room, confirm that the God we serve is real. And he's living and he's active and he's part of our daily being. He's active in our world today. But what kind of confirmation do we get from Scripture? There are so many confirmations in Scripture that there are more than we could possibly even cover this morning. But I want to start this morning with Matthew chapter 1, which is part of the Christmas story as we know it. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read verses 18 through 24. This is from the New Living Translation. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Here we have a confirmation of Mary's story, where Mary told Joseph this is what happened. He didn't truly believe that. It was a confirmation that he received in this dream. Verse 21, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What was Jesus' mission? This is a confirmation of his mission to save people from their sins. Verse 22, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. This is a confirmation of what had been prophesied hundreds of years before Christ even came on the scene. Verse 23, look, the, this is in Isaiah, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. You see, the confirmation in his spirit, in that dream, that Mary was in fact pregnant by the Holy Spirit, led to Joseph's obedience led to him saying, okay, Lord, I will do as you say. I will not be afraid to take her as my wife, and I will take her as my wife. You see, the story of Christmas also has many confirmations to show that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God. Joseph had a plan to divorce Mary quietly, but God confirmed in a dream that what Mary said was true. The child was carrying and conceived by the Holy Spirit. And we see this throughout the Christmas narrative. And even during the life of Christ, you see in many places, especially in Matthew, where the text confirms what happened was the fulfillment of prophecy. What happened was that the fulfillment of prophecy, there was a confirmation of what God had spoken, that Jesus Christ was in fact the person that was spoken about hundreds of years before. What's confirmation? It's a verification or final proof of something. You see, there are many prophecies throughout Scripture that foretold all that was going to happen in, in the Messiah, all that was going to happen when he came to this earth. From the circumstances of his birth and many of the details of his birth were prophesied hundreds of years before. 
also to his death and resurrection were also prophesied 400 years before it even happened. And then one of the greatest events in human history came to fulfillment. Imagine that you are planning to meet a long-lost relative. You're meeting them for the first time at the airport. You've never met them before. In fact, they're coming for Christmas. You've never met them before. You don't know what they look like. You've never seen a picture. You will need to ask some questions to help you identify who this person was. You probably say, well, how will I know? There's a lot of people that come through the airport, especially during Christmas. How will I know that it's you? Well, I have on a blue coat. Okay, well, that's somewhat helpful. I'm sure there's probably thousands of people with a blue coat getting off of a plane. Well, I have blonde hair. Okay, that narrows it down a little bit more. But how do I really know that it's you? I will be wearing bright red shoes. They'll have a name tag on my shirt. And maybe some lit Christmas lights on my sweater. Okay, now that might help me narrow it down quite a bit there. So we confirm the details. And God has given us confirmation to show that Jesus was in fact the Messiah that they had been waiting for all those years for. The Messiah that was prophesied hundreds of years, 400 years before he even came. And you may be coming into the season and you need that kind of confirmation in your heart. Not only from his word, but that kind of confirmation that he is living and active in you, even through the season, even through the good and the bad times. This thing called Christmas that we celebrate, what is it all about? Is it about the gifts and consumerism? Maybe a way to line the pockets of businesses trying to meet their year-end numbers? Is it about Santa and his reindeer? See, we believe that Christmas is ultimately all about Christ. It's all about Jesus and his coming to earth to put on flesh. How God became human and lived among us who ultimately came to die for our sins. But how do we really know that Jesus was the Messiah they had been waiting for? Now imagine the same scenario about the person that you're picking up at the airport. What kinds of signs do we need to know to be able to pinpoint who the Messiah was? How would we know it was him? How would we confirm that this was the one that was prophesied about all those years prior? And this kind of scenario was played out in a book called Beyond Beliefs to Convictions by Josh McDowell. Here's the scenario. God has devised a plan for this earth to send his only son to earth to be born as an infant to Joseph and Mary. And if we could just step into history for a moment, if we could be a part of that time and we were looking for certain things that was going to pinpoint who the Messiah was going to be, what would we be looking for? God may respond with, okay, well, I'm going to cause him to be born an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham. All right, a descendant of Abraham, as it was promised to Abraham in Genesis 22, 18. Now, that's good to know. He's from the side of Abraham. But we also know that Abraham's descendants were like the stars. There are many descendants from Abraham. God, can you be a little more specific about what we should be looking for for the Messiah? 
Okay, well, I'm going to narrow it down to only half of Abraham's descendants and make him a descendant of Isaac, not Ishmael. So now we have the descendant of Isaac. And it was promised in Genesis 21, 12. Now that will help, but isn't that still a lot of people, God? And he said, well, let it be born of Jacob's family, Jacob's family line. So that eliminates Isaac's half of Isaac's family line. So we have Jacob and Esau. He's going to be born from Jacob, as was prophesied in Numbers 24, 17. But I'm still not sure, God. How am I going to know? God says, I'm going to be more specific. Jacob, Jacob's going to have 12 sons. And out of those 12 sons, I will bring the Messiah out of one of those 12. I will bring it from the clan of Judah. I'm going to narrow it down for you even further, as promised in Genesis 49.10. And that still seems like a lot of people. We may still not recognize him when he comes. All right. Don't worry. I'm going to make it clear. I will narrow it down even more. He will come from the family line of Jesse, from his youngest son, David, as foretold in Isaiah 11.1 and Jeremiah 23.5. And one more important piece of the puzzle. I will tell you exactly where he will be born, in a place called Bethlehem, a tiny town in Judah. I find it interesting as we begin to narrow all these things down that you recognize that for Mary and Joseph, they had no control over what family line they came from. They had no control over what was about to happen. They had no control over the prophecies that were given. They had no control about where Jesus was going to be born because you would think they'd just be born in their hometown where they're going to be married, not in a place that they went to pay taxes. Okay, well, Micah 5, 2 talks about this tiny town that Jesus is going to be born in. Well, how do we know which person from the line of David is the Messiah? How do we confirm this? There's some further things. He will be preceded by a messenger to prepare the way in Isaiah 43. He will begin his ministry in Galilee as Isaiah 9, 1 prophesies. He will teach in parables as Psalm 78, 2 prophesies. He will perform many miracles as Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 through 6 confirm. And these confirmations can continue all about through the life of Christ and his death and burial and resurrection. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy was fulfilled in the life of Christ. And what I want to point out here is that there were many confirmations given as a sign to show that Jesus was in fact the Messiah, that Jesus was in fact the person that he claimed to be. See, at Christmas time, we celebrate Jesus coming down to us. And we also celebrate this confirmation that we've had as Jesus being the Son of God. With these confirmations, we have no doubt that Jesus was who he said he was. So what does this mean for you? And what does this mean for me? You might ask. Something you're going to see all throughout Scripture, and almost in any passage that you read, is that there's a confirmation that God has a plan. From the very beginning to the end, there is a plan being worked out. There is a plan for you and me. There is a plan for every person here on this earth. God has a plan. Have you ever looked at the world and wondered why things are the way that they are? 
On the good side of that, I see people caring for one another. I see the beauty of God's creation everywhere that I go. I was on a Zoom call last week for the Alzheimer's Family Support Center, and they did this Zoom call with many people that are being helped by this organization. And they asked me to say an encouraging word there, to pray with them prior to the meeting. And this whole Zoom call was talking about gratitude. And it was telling, all these people were telling about how grateful they were for the Alzheimer's Family Support Center and the support that they offered them through very difficult times. And you listen to things like that and the different organizations that were supporting for Hope Restored and you hear the good things that are happening. And I'm encouraged by that because the only thing we usually hear is all the bad news. We only hear the bad things. But there are organizations of people and people who are just caring for one another, helping one another. You see the things in our world, and you see the intricacies of all the things that have been made. We think of our body, our eyes, our brain, our ears, and how they work. And we know there's no way that those things happen by chance. There was a master plan. There was a design. And our faith and our belief in God is confirmed when we recognize how stunning the planet that we live on truly is. On the negative side, have you ever looked at things you see in the world and wonder why it is that way? I want to say to you this morning that this also did not happen by chance. It is what happens when people have their way. When they live life after their own design, their own will. When people live out their lives selfishly without regard for others. You see, what started in the Garden of Eden continues today. And we see the impact of what happens when we want our way, not God's way. Even in this, God takes the plans, the selfishness, the will of mankind, and can turn it into something good. He does not cause it, but he does use it. So you have this war. We have this war of plans. We have our plan and God's plan. God's plan of creativity for us to love God and to love our neighbor. Man's plan to live for self, to live out his own plan. God's plans versus our plans. You can see the impact of each in our world. Which would you say this morning is the better plan? Looking at my life, I can tell you, I like God's plan better. Anybody say amen to that? I like God's plan better. Confirmation. The verification or final proof of something. Christmas of 2001, Sarah and I were not dating long, but we had a plan to go see my family in Ohio that year. I knew my grandmother wasn't doing well. She had polycystic kidneys. Grandmother, to remind you, is the one who led me to Christ from a young age, taught me God's word, brought me to Bible Baptist Church with her. If I remember correctly, we were planning to spend Christmas Eve with Sarah's family, and then we would leave on Christmas Day for Ohio. And if I don't remember that correctly, ask Sarah, she'll tell you the real dates. <laughs> My grandmother met Jesus face to face on Christmas Eve. She passed away before we could get there. Sarah and I drove to Ohio as quickly as we could. I think my grandmother was 59 when she passed away. And honestly, that time was just so surreal for me. It was literally my first and once in ministry in Worcester. 
This was right after September 11th happened too, and all that. It's just a, a, a weird time for all of us. So it's surreal. I was asked to do the funeral service. It just happened to be my first ever funeral service. Christmas came, and there were presents under the tree that my grandmother had purchased prior to her passing. Prior to us getting engaged, my grandmother bought a book for Sarah for Christmas. It was by Stormy Lamardian, and it was The Power of a Praying Wife. It served as a confirmation for me. I truly believe that my grandmother knew that we were meant to be together. And I have to say, it's been one of the best decisions of my life. Confirmation. I like God's plan better than mine. I like God's plan better than my plan. See, God had a specific plan to save the world. He would send his son to this earth. And this is what we're celebrating this season. This child would all usher in salvation to the world. It's a confirmation that God has a plan despite what we see, despite what we face, despite the things that we go through. And the second thing is the confirmation of God's love for you. I want you to take that in for a moment. Because like me, I know it's easy to say God loves someone else. But I want you to let it soak in this morning that God loves you, that he sent his son to die for you so that you can be forgiven, regardless of your past. It doesn't matter what you've done. God sent his only son to die as a sacrifice for our sins so that we can be free. We don't have to live with the chains and the shackles around our, our wrists so that we can experience God's love fully. And in this season, we, we see this is a season of God making things new, a season of change that all began in the manger. John 3.16 is a familiar verse for all of us. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, say everyone, everyone. so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Some of you may know that from the King James Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. See, God loves you so much that he sent a son to die for your sins and my sins. And he went through great lengths to confirm that this was, in fact, the Messiah. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy being fulfilled in the life of Jesus. And step by step it was foretold who the Son of God would be and what he came to this planet to do. Like the young man I started off with today discovered, you can be forgiven and your life can be turned around. And I believe that God brought you here today to confirm with you that he has a plan for your life. And he loves you and gave his life for you. You are not here today by accident. You are not watching online today by chance. You are here today by design. I love what Brendan Wynn said from the story that I read initially. He says, I, as I'm starting to understand how God works, I realize I didn't pick the church that night. God picked me. If it had been any other church, 
I'd be sitting in prison right now. God picked you this morning. God picked you to be here in this church. God called you here in this place because he's about to do something great in this church. And you're here for a reason. Some of the best gifts ever about this season is knowing that God has a specific plan for you and that he sent his son to die to be a part of that plan in your life. And the second thing is that God shows how much he loves you by sending his son to this earth. This Christmas, let's walk in the confidence that God has a plan for us and that he has confirmed that plan in the life of Jesus Christ. This Christmas, let's remember the reason that Jesus came. Not just to be a cute little baby in a manger that we can sing songs about. And that we celebrate each year. But he came to save the world. And that world includes you. And that world includes me. This Christmas, let's remember that we are loved by God. And that's the message of Christmas. That God loves the world so much that he sent his son. This Christmas, let the Lord confirm these things in your heart and may you be strengthened in your faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your confirmation in our lives. Thank you for showing us exactly who the Messiah is going to be. And Lord, we thank you for the season where we celebrate your coming into this world to save the world. May we keep this our focus during this Christmas season. And may you work in our hearts and lives in such a way that continues to spread the message, to spread the good news of why you came in the first place. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You may be here this morning, or maybe you're watching online, and you've never given your life over to Jesus Christ. But today, you're ready to make that decision. Today, you're ready to take that step. I want to say you're not watching or you're not here by accident. God wants to confirm in you who he is in your life. And he wants to give you a great gift of forgiveness, the great gift of a new start, the great gift of a changed life. Your life can be renewed today. And if you're ready to ask him to be a part of your life, all you have to do is simply ask. He will make you new and he will give you a joy that no person or circumstance can take away. See, Jesus Christ came to this earth as a baby, but he came to die on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins. Not only did he die, but he rose from the dead to new life so that we can rise from our spiritual state of deadness to new life. What better way to celebrate Christmas than to give your life to Jesus Christ today? If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, or you need to renew that relationship, today is the day to get on track. Today is the day to start fresh. Today is the day to start new. Let's say this simple prayer. If you want, if you mean this in your heart, your words aren't magic. You don't have to say them out loud. But you can if you'd like to. Lord, I believe you died for my sins. Today I'm giving my life to you. I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sins and make me new right now and fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, let us know in the chat or the checkbox on the connection card this morning. I want to encourage you to download an app called YouVersion. And you can search for different devotions in there, different readings in there. And one of those readings is called First Step for New Believers. If you accepted Christ today, I want to encourage you to take that next step to continue with growth. And also to find a church. If you're here around the Cape Cod area, we have service on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you're watching from somewhere far away, find a church that's close to you. that's teaching God's word and be a part of it so you can continue to grow in your faith. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand. And then this season, we've talked about this, and I think it's important that we recognize that our faith is built on the foundation of so many that has gone before us. And with the Apostles' Creed, we're stating something that has been, for thousands of years, part of the beliefs of the Christian church, and stated over and over again. And through this, we connect with other church bodies from the past, as well as those that are reading this today, and those who will continue to read this into the future. It connects. It's an overarching connector for the church body. And I want to read it together because this is declaring what we believe about Christ and who he is. So let's read this together as we, as we declare it. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and it is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Have a great Sunday. We will see you next week. God bless you. Thank you.